Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Ginger Birkenbuehl, and I'm Esther Ikoro, and we're the hosts of the Honest Field Guide podcast. Entrepreneurship is no joke. The journey is full of anticipation, failure, hope, and disappointment. You'll make money and be totally broke at the same time. The Honest Field Guide podcast tells you the truth. We know being an entrepreneur is crazy hard, and you will sometimes cry dinner. Listen in to be inspired, laugh, and learn how to really thrive on your business journey. Hi, Ginger. Hey, Esther. How's it going? It's going pretty good, you know, loving doing podcasting during uh, COVID-19. It's always a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, it's a nice little puzzle to solve. Did you grow up in an athletic family, Esther? Yeah. um, My dad tried to get me to play tennis. I played soccer. I was captain of the soccer team in high school. Uh, I I liked sports. I just didn't like any of the sports that were traditional to my family or that were around my family. Like everyone was running, but I didn't like running because I thought it was boring. So I was just kind of like, eh, none of this is for me. I'm really excited about today's show because um, we are talking to someone that I've known for a really, really long time, um, someone that has been a coach for my my son since he was five and a half, swim coach. And it's just really interesting because I've been able to sort of see a lot of changes going on in swimming, um, in the community with my, with my son, with his involvement on the swim team. And I wanted to sort of, you know, bring someone on that I respect to talk a little bit about the environment. And of course, now things are, you know, so different now because of COVID-19, people are at home and people are not actually able to go to pools. You know, it's funny, when I was really young, you know, I grew up in the Beverly neighborhood. And, you know, when, when I was a kid, there was always a saying, you know, that Black people can't swim, right? I never, I never, I never understood that. And You never um, understood it? Well, no, I didn't. Under, of course not. You're just like, what does that mean? Black people can't swim. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, my mother was a swimmer also. And my brother, my her, her brother, um, who was a Korean War veteran, he was a swimmer too. And when he was growing up as a kid, you know, he was denied entry into swim competition in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, because it was, you know, pools were segregated. Even my aunt, the oldest sister in the family, she was a swimmer too. But, you know, she had to stop because she got severe swimmer's ear. And like back then she was like told she could never go in the water again. Right. And these are, these are like depression era people. So this is a long, long, long time ago. And my mother, you know, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, she was the youngest of seven kids and she was thrown into the water as an infant without even knowing how to swim by her brothers. Yeah. Babies know how to swim. (laughs) I know. 
I mean, it was like, I don't think they recommend that anymore, like throwing babies in the water, but some people still do. Well, we'll find out on this interview. I know, right? (laughs) So anyway, my mom still swims. You know, she swims every single Tuesday, and she's been swimming every Tuesday for as long as I can remember. And, you know, growing up as a kid, huge fan of Olympics. My mother used to record them, and we'd watch them like after, like years after they were done. And I wanted to be an Olympian as a kid. Of course, in no way in heck would I ever be Olympian, but I wanted to be because I was like, they're respected, they're powerful, you know, and I mean, it was just, you know, it's been part of part of my life, but, you know, um, and I, and I've always, you know, felt relatively comfortable in the water, but not totally like, you know what I mean? Like I haven't been like super powered in the water. How about you? Do you have a relationship with swimming? Do you even like it? I do not like it. Uh, my, my relationship with swimming is that I support people when they're in like triathlons and, and marathons and things like that. I learned to swim in fourth grade as a requirement in the Catholic school that I went to and I just don't like getting wet like that. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll go in a canoe and in a kayak, but I just don't enjoy being wet and cold. <laughs> <laughs> it just It's just not my thing. So I think that's great. I mean, I you know, swimming is a, a, a cold, wet sport. It really is. And it takes yeah. a special kind of Ugh. a person to want to be a swimming athlete. I mean, it really does. Um, I mean, most of my life, just thinking back to, you know, the type of life that I grew up in, um, really spent a lot of time fighting a lot of stereotypes, right? Against things that I used to, that used to be considered white things. Like I was like, this is not a white thing. This shouldn't be a white thing. Um, so because of this, I, I, for sure, I throw, threw my kids into the water very, very, very early, just like what happened to my mom and just like what my mom did to me. And it was pretty non-negotiable for the, my kids to learn to swim. And, and, it wasn't like I was trying to make them an athlete. I was like, you're going to have to learn to swim. And I don't want you to just be like survival swimming. Like, I need you to swim well. Like, I need you to look like you could be in the Olympics kind of thing, right? And, you know, of course, every parent on the planet would love for their kid to be an Olympic swimmer, right? I mean, like, that's that's has their kids in swimming. It's, it's this, I'm a swim mom. You know, we're always like, you know, get your butt in the water, make it swim as fast as you can. It's, it's always pretty hardcore. Um, but by one kid, um, you know, he's like the one that, Every, it stood out to me how how well he took to the water. You know, he loved the water, but not in a way that kids love splashing. He was like fierce in the water. He was swimming before he actually knew how to really swim. And I was like, wow, you know, he's kind of like feels different in the water. And when we finally got to elementary school, the coach there, um, for a while, he was on like the uh, swim team at the school. And he was only like three and a half or four years old. And the swim coach there said, you know what, your, your, your son is actually really great. He's a great swimmer. And, you know, he deserves to have better swimming than what we're doing here. Because at the Montessori school, their whole philosophy was, we just want to make sure every kid that graduates can swim. So she recommended CWAC swimming. And I was like, what's CWAC? And she said, well, it's a really, it's sort of, it's a little bit more of an elite environment than this is. And you have to decide, you have to commit to it. I mean, it's not like you just go and you swim once a week. You actually have to swim five days a week or maybe more and it's laps and there's a lot more training. And I thought, wow, well, that sounds kind of cool. And maybe it'll make my kid tired, um, which is really the goal of all of us is to make your child tired when they're they're little. (laughs) You're laughing, but it's true. It's like, make the kid tired. So anyway, he tried out, he made it in and you know what? Uh, Haven't looked back. I mean, he was on the swim team when he was five and a half at CWAC, right? And they have an Olympic sized pool and it's just like, it was one of these amazing things. And, but the thing that's really interesting, you know, I, I can be a pretty overly involved parent. I mean, Mm -hmm. you don't have trouble understanding that, right? How overly involved I can be with certain things. 
I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know why you would say that. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, complaining a lot to make, you know, make sure my kids get the best. That's what my mom taught me. Um, <sighs> but, um, but you know, what, what has really struck me about CWAC swimming, which is where my kid swims and which is why we have the owner of CWAC swimming on the show is every time I'd call and ask a question, because I was always, you know, judging and, you know, cynical, like, okay, I, you know, this doesn't look right. Is this, is my kid getting the best treatment or what's going on here? You know, I always make a phone call to the owner and, you know, every single call met with calm, rational customer service. And I, I was always amazed by that. I'm like, you know, this is a real business, isn't it? Um, but it, I was just trying to figure out, like, how is this person able to manage all these parents, all their crazy swim parents and really, you know, handle this? So anyway, it's been really, it's been really fun. And um, I think that What's really interesting is that when I first started, the club hadn't been around that long. But my God, the club now is is absolutely huge, right? And Dave Steven, who runs the club, who started the club and founded it, you know, he's taken it from um, a relatively boutique environment to um, something that's become, um, they've become a real powerful contender statewide, you know, CUX Swimming. So Coach Dave Stevens has been involved in swimming for over 35 years, both as a swimmer and a coach. He grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and swam for the Dynamo Swim Club and was an All-American at Marist High School. Dave continued his swimming career at the University of Michigan and lettered all four years while swimming under Olympic coach John Urbanchek. Dave then moved to Chicago for law school and became Coach Dave along the way. He completed his JD program at the John Marshall Law School and passed the 2004 bar exam. He started the CWAC program in the fall of 2004. Coach Dave is the development accounts manager at St. Ignatius College Prep and also serves as the head coach of the women's varsity team. His high school teams have won 29 IHSA sectional titles the past 19 years and produced over 200 All-American performances. Coach Day was selected as one of the top 10 national age group coaches of the year in 2019, and the CWAC program has been recognized as one of the top age group and senior programs in the country. Welcome, Dave. Thank you. Happy to be here. So were your parents swimmers? My mom was a synchronized swimmer, strangely mm-hmm. enough. And uh, my dad ran track in, uh, in college. A synchronized swimmer. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I did not know that. So what, how did you grow up? You grew up watching your mother do synchronized swimming. Was it professional? Was no, it prof- no, no, no. She, she just did that when she was younger. I did not watch her. Oh, I'm like, <laughs> wow. Okay. That's amazing. So then your parents, so then your, your parents were athletes. So how, why did you, why did swimming become your sport? I mean, your mother swam, your father was in track and field. How did, how did this happen to you swimming? We just, I just enjoy being in the water, kind of the opposite of uh, Esther there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it was really gravitated towards the racing and the, the training, the, you know, being with your friends and being outside. I mean, it was all outdoor swimming and it was just what we did in the summer. So I just, I really, really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I did other things too. I mean, I played soccer and baseball and basketball. So I was still very active as a kid in other activities. Did anyone encourage you swimming? Did did people kind of see something in you and go, yeah, you should keep doing that? Or was it all you? Yeah. So, so in this summer league circuit, if you will, um, some of the club teams in the area come to watch the uh, championship championship meets. And um, when that happens, they uh, they kind of recommend or 
talk to the parents and say, hey, let's your, your son or daughter should come try out for our club team. Uh, similar to how you know Ginger's story with uh, with her son. So that's kind of how we got involved at the, at the next level with the, the club swimming world. How did you bypass being a lawyer to become a swim coach? I'm trying to see that 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 leap. Sure. So I, I finished my undergrad at uh, U of M and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I started clerking uh, for a law firm in Ann Arbor, a uh, single, single practice attorney, and, and really had some great uh, experience with him, just really hands-on in terms of being able to do writing and uh, involved with the clients. And it's like this, I enjoy this and I'm helping. He was a uh, I did a personal injury and malpractice and just felt like he was making a difference for people. And so I was like, this sounds great. So I thought I'd apply to law school and um, had been to Chicago a few times uh, visiting friends and uh, wound up getting into law school here in uh, Chicago. So made the move and uh, and <laughs> enrolled in law school. And during my law school time here, I, I found that I wasn't, I became a swim coach too when I first moved here at, at St. Ignatius and just um, really, really was enjoying the coaching aspect of, of, uh, of, of things. And the law school thing was a little more draining and it just wasn't as, I didn't feel the connection with my classmates and kind of the, the law scene here in Chicago is just different than a, in our Ann Arbor. And so about halfway through law school, I realized that maybe this is what I don't want to do right now because my passion was definitely in, in swimming and coaching and being involved with the, the kids. So I made a promise to myself that I was going to finish uh, finish law school and, and take the bar exam. And thank goodness I passed because if I didn't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I would have taken it again. And uh, it's something I can always fall back on. Um, and then said, I'm going to make the commitment to you know, start start a, a youth swim team. Eventually, you quit being a lawyer and you open CWAC. What does CWAC stand for? Uh, Chicago Wolfpack Aquatic Club. Is there a story behind the name? Uh, so my mom and I sat around trying to brainstorm ideas. You know, she's been involved with swimming as a, as a swim mom as well since I was young. So has has been around. And uh, you know, we thought it was important to have the name Chicago since we were going to be you know in the downtown area. And so the high school I work at, St. Ignatius, is the, uh, is the wolf pack. That's their, their mascot. Um, but I was torn because we also thought about Wolverine for Michigan. So um, it was same abbreviation, which we liked. We liked CWAC. It just kind of was a smooth, uh, smooth name. But um, ultimately, we decided to go with Wolfpack over, uh, over Wolverine because there is a, a club Wolverine team that's part of the Michigan program. So we didn't want to be too close to, uh, to that, to that name. Yeah. Plus Wolverine is, you know, X, X-Men. So that was the main reason. Yes. <laughs> I, was thinking that. <laughs> I was thinking that I am kind of curious, what is a swim club? Because when I first was involved in club sports, I always thought club didn't sound as good as a, a team that's connected with the school. Sure. So clubs are generally not privately, but they're um, usually affiliated with uh, 
either a high school or a park district or now more commonly run by coaches. And it's kind of taking that recreational piece of it that you usually get from maybe a Y or a learn to swim program and trying to elevate it to the next level, either to prepare kids to you know, compete at their high school level or look at college. Or if you're looking, you know, it's kind of, you're talking about the Olympics, um, making that bridge. So um, yeah, that's kind of what a, a club is. You know, there's, and, and we'll probably talk a little bit more about this, but there's different uh, organizations within each state that are then part of a larger, a larger organization called USA Swimming. How did you create CWAC? Where where do you start when you say, okay, I want to make a swim club? Where where did you start this? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, that's where the law background kind of helped a little bit. Um, so we had to create essentially a, a business. So I, I created an LLC, um, you know, filed the you know, paperwork with the state. And then USA Swimming kind of has some, some guidelines. You apply for a, a charter, if you will. And they also have some requirements on what you need to do as an organization um, in terms of, you know, becoming a certified coach and coming up with, uh, you know, budgets and, and how you're going to run this organization. Because they want to make sure if, if they're going to support you as an organization, you know how to, to run a business. So you're not just doing it because it's, oh, this sounds like a good idea to help my kid, you know, be a part of a team. I think very few people realize how much work it takes to, to run an organization, even if it's a small one to start off. Um, so it, it was, yeah, it's kind of weird to start something from nothing. Um, but yeah, so a little bit of law background and then just some, some a lot of, uh, USA Swimming does a good job of helping you know, provide guidelines for it. Mm-hmm. You know, did you see a, a gap in the market? I mean, why, why swimming for God's sakes? I mean, this is Chicago, and Chicago is, there's lots of basketball here and there's like, you know, the, the Chicago Blackhawks. I just don't necessarily associate Chicago so much with swimming. I mean, I'm glad you're here, but what was the spark that you said, we have to have this and I will be successful? Or did you not have that? Well, it, you're, there was a huge gap in the market because like I said, I grew up in Atlanta and the team that I was a part of, we had over a thousand swimmers in our club, and there was another team in the area called Swim Atlanta that had over fifteen hundred swimmers. So we're talking these giant organizations, and I come here and I'm in Chicago, and there's there's nothing. There was not any team of, of real size in the in the metro area, and I was part of. You know, we we swim over at UIC, which is a like you mentioned a, an Olympic sized pool, um, so it's pretty big and and there was a the demand for it. I mean, I was working at the high school, so I was coaching high school athletes and we were having some success. And a lot of the parents were like, they have younger siblings and like, oh, we want to get our kids involved. So we started one year with just a, a little camp and it, it grew from there into what became CWAC. What year was that? Was that, what was that year? So I, I, moved, I started coaching in 2000 here at, at St. Ignatius. And then in 2004, the summer of 2004 is when I kind of went through all the paperwork and used that whole summer to kind of get everything set up to start in the fall of, uh, of 04. Are you surprised by how everything took off? Yes. Is this, <laughs> so we, well, how we, did you think it was going to look? Well, we we kind of had a registration with some of the families that we knew. So people come up, came in and stood in line. Everything was with paperwork. And uh, so we started our, our first season with about 30 athletes. 
I actually have the picture of that <laughs> of that ragtag group here still in my office. And I had some coaches that were willing to to jump in on this. And um, yeah, so we had a, a little little group to to start. And uh, from there, it just it really just kept growing. A lot of it was was word of mouth. Um, you know, families would get involved, and then they go back and tell their their friends or whatever. And and we just kept kept growing. And and fortunately, the the site, the pool, the facility we use is big enough to be able to accommodate a larger team than the 30 that we started with. And so the first thing you started was a swim team, right? Yes. Um, and I do want to talk a little bit about your marketing strategy but, strategy, but it is bringing me to the question, you have a swim school now, right? I mean, is that that's separate from the team? It is. We started that, um, I want to say, in about 2008, about four years later. Um, we would get kids who would come in and, and have an interest for the team who just weren't quite ready, we felt, to be on the team and needed lessons, if you will, that were either, um, you know, just you were too young. Um, most USA Swimming is kind of geared towards starting around that age of, of seven, eight um, your son was uh, an exception early on there. And um, so we wanted to try to fill that void because, I mean, there's obviously a lot of kids in that, you know, three to seven age range that parents want to teach, have them learn how to swim. And and we w- didn't want the swim team to be a learn to swim program. So we tried to, we created a, a learn to swim program as part of it. Wow. I mean, that's another gap. I mean, you you saw something and you went right through it. Yeah, it's a little bit as we've evolved into it a little bit more. Um, you probably are aware the market has, has really grown in that department. I think a lot of a lot of people saw a huge, huge gap in the, the swim lesson market. So um, our, our biggest challenge is, is our, our water temperature. I know Esther doesn't like being cold in the water. <laughs> you would hate that not. pool at UIC, girl. That is yeah. like hardcore. <laughs> you know, and neither do neither do four year olds. And and what a lot of a lot of uh, lesson programs now are are better controlled ninety degree temperature pools, and it's Ooh. just much more comfortable to teach uh, kids. And so that was our biggest challenge at first because we wanted to offer the the mom and tot class or the, the parent and the tot where they could get in and you know, work with them. And and I've done that myself, but you know, you're getting in cold water with them. No, that's no fun for anybody. So we had to eliminate that piece. And and now we try to have them start around age four is kind of our, where we try to bring them into the fold. And our marketing with our lesson is to, we're, we're, we're teaching them how to be ready to be on the swim team. A lot of lesson programs are, are safety. And we're of course trying to teach safety, but um, we want them to be able to finish our program and be ready to jump on the swim team if that's what they want to do. Well, I love that because you're you're talking about your competitive advantage um, as CWAC and the swim school. What what is your marketing strategy around that? Are you focusing on that particular concept to market to people in the Chicago community that want their children to learn to swim or join a team? Is that what you say? We don't actually do a a ton of marketing right now. Um, Our team is, we're pretty maxed out on on what we're able to to take. Um, You know, we we get, uh, we hold uh, mass tryouts twice a year. 
And uh, we'll probably maybe sometimes we'll bring in up, up to 75 to 100 people who are interested in being a part of our team. Um, and they've learned about it typically through, through word of mouth. Um, um, we have done some stuff with, with uh, local elementary schools, just uh, promoting, you know, that we're having a tryout or, or something like that. But most of what is just kind of is families learning about our program through, through other families or just or Googling it. But uh, we don't do actively any any marketing just because we would if we had 500 people show up, we couldn't handle that kind of number. So what was the impact on your club after Simone Manuel won the gold medal? She was the first black woman to ever do this. Well, we we usually always see kind of a little uptick in membership and interest during an Olympic year. Um, That was also part of the reason for starting our team, starting the team in 2004 it was right after the um, after the uh, uh, Athens Olympics, so that was a, kind of a, a good way to to bridge that. And we always see it. We don't necessarily. I think Michael Phelps kind of did a lot for swimming o- across the board, just in terms of generating interest, and it became more of a household name with for just your everyday person to relate to swimming. You say swimming, and most people think of, of Michael Phelps. Uh, but Simone, we actually saw Simone when she was a lot younger, when she was even before she went off to college, we saw her competing down in uh, in Florida a lot. And she was you could tell she was going to be phenomenal. She was a, uh, a, a an intense athlete. So um, to watch her progress to that the Olympic level and, and winning the gold medal was was phenomenal. So I don't it is, I don't know if it's always one person that kind of gives that that. Bump, but just I think the Olympics in general, mm-hmm. um, I think people get excited about seeing that and and just like I want to I want to do that I want to be part of that and it obviously gets the most coverage of, of any other uh, sporting uh, sporting event for swimming. <laughs> I know sometimes it's hard for parents to really see this because they're 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 swim parents. It's like my other kids a hockey player, so I got I'm a hockey mom too. And it sometimes it's hard to it's hard to realize that you're actually running a business, right? Like you're running a real business. What other stuff is going on with CWAC besides the team and the swim club? Do you have other things that you're responsible for to keep revenue flowing through the organization? So I'm kind of our primary administrative guy. So uh, we are, uh, so it's a coach run program. Um, So what we do not have a a board, a parent board or or anybody that we really report to. So it puts a little bit more work on, on the coaches to to handle things. And my role, um, how I've kind of settled in after having the program grow more is to just take on the administrative role in terms of handling all the payroll, all the um, communication, all the rentals, dealing with all the organizations, handling all the meet entries, um, running the swim meets. Um, so what I try to have the coaches do then is they are just worried about their athletes and their little groups and, and those families. So I kind of the broad picture. So if, if some uh, parent has a question on how did their billing or how does their billing work or 
things like that. Those are the questions that I answer. I, my, I don't put that on my coaches to worry about. Um, so they just are able to focus on, on their athletes. And I think it's been a good model for us because um, you find that a lot of swim coaches aren't very good at organization and um, you know, their skills are usually more working with athletes. Um, that, that's why they got into coaching. And when you start having to worry about budgets and travel arrangements, that's just, it's not always their thing. And I'm not trying to stereotype all coaches, but you see that a lot. So it's been a good, a good way for me to use my organizational skills to, to help support all our coaches. What was the point where you said, this is a real thing. We're sort of, we're blowing up here. Let's like sit down at the table and figure out how we really need to organize this. Or was it organic? It was kind of an organic evolution. It's kind of growing steadily each each year. I'd say probably in 2010 is when we realized we were kind of coming onto the stage more as an elite program, you know, producing kids that were scoring well and placing in the top eight at the, at the state level and, and some of our older athletes looking, getting more uh, opportunities to um go to meets in other parts of the state qualifying for those kind of next level meets. And then that kind of led to kids. We had our first kids who started to swim in college. You know, they kind of got to that level. Um, and it was interesting. So kind of, I think about our first group of, of athletes who were started with us in 2004 or five are now the ones who are just finishing uh, college. So a lot of them are just finishing their, their college. Wow. Uh, congratulations, careers. Dave. That's big. Yeah. It's just, it's cool to watch how that's, that's evolved. So from when they were, you know, five, six years old, and now they're, they're out in the, in the work world after finishing school. But yeah, it did, it did evolve over time. And, and at first I did, I was doing everything. I mean, I was doing all the on deck coaching, all the administration, you know, everything. And then I eventually realized that I was going to burn out if I kept kept doing that. So I had to, you, you have to relinquish something. I mean, I still have a, a full-time job as well. So it just, you, know, you can't burn the candle at both ends and giving, handing over some more of the coaching responsibilities to coaches that I was able to hire and, and bring on board and that were able to, to buy into what we're doing. Um, what was the key in, in allowing the program to grow without me having to be on the, the deck all day and then at some meets for 12 hours a day because you just it, you can't do that. You know, Esther and I talk a lot about culture. Esther, don't you find it interesting that, um, you know, listening to Dave, that he used to do everything, but then he mentioned finding the right coaches that buy into, you know, what he's doing. Yeah, I think that that's something that is vital to any business. And that's the hardest part is hiring figuring out who the people you can, you know, allow to be at those 12 hour, 12 hour swim meets and know that you don't have to be, or maybe you still are, you know, on edge and ready to go at any moment. So I think the, the minute, just from what we've heard, the minute you are able to start finding those people that are a good fit, then the evolution can really start happening. And with that evolution, you've got merchandise, you've got vendor events. What are all of the different arms of your business? Yeah, we don't. We do have a a, um, a website with with gear. So we've partnered. We're partnered. Or um, Speedo is our sponsor. They're kind of a, an apparel. They manufacture suits. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are our club sponsor. They help us with 
um, at higher level meets with providing gear for our, our, our athletes on travel meets. And, you know, they give us gear for our parents to wear at uh, swim meets and, and things like that. Um, but we do have stuff that we, you know, sell as, as part of, uh, you know, marketing. I try to get out, I, you know, if we can get our logo out there on a, on a t-shirt or on a sticker, on a hat or wherever, um, you know, Jinja was instrumental in the, the magnets, um, getting the magnets on the cars and, and things like that. So I love that. Um, I, I really like our logo and, um, just getting that out there is, is kind of the key, but we don't really, um, have any sort of anything beyond that. Um, I know some organizations will maybe teach, teach lifeguards, train lifeguards, or they have different arms of their, or, or have a, a water polo group or a, a diving group that's all part of their organization. But we're, we're strictly just, uh, just, just swimming. What's going on right now in the swim swim club world, aside from the current crisis, right? You mentioned earlier in the conversation that swim clubs are booming in other cities and states, but what, like, what in general is happening? Is it, is it still, aside from the fact that right now nothing's really happening, as you mentioned, and, and unfortunately some of the uh, kids and students and athletes that were going to state are not, are not going, so they've missed out. It's, it's a huge deal and it's a huge disappointment. What, you know, what, like, what is going on? Is it, is it, is it a sport that is blowing up like basketball continues to blow up or is it sort of staying steady? Cause Michael Phelps is now out of the, out of the arena for the most part. Right. Yeah. And I think they're trying to find that the next person. And I think, you know, diversity, it, we kind of touched on that a little bit is, is a big part of that. I think USA swimming looks at wanting to tap into, you know, this, market of people that haven't really been involved in aquatics before. And, and you know, there's history there and that's a, that's a big uh, challenge. And I think they want to see the sport grow. So it, it is more diverse. And, and you, you also mentioned as well, uh, the diversity of our team is, is one thing that I'm, I'm really proud of. And, you know, it's, it's funny, you mentioned how we go to swim meets and we're really the only team there sometimes that has different, you know, ethnicities and races on our team. And uh, I'm, I'm proud of that. I, I, I love it. And um, so I think that's something USA Swimming in general wants to do better with. Um, and they see that as, as a way to, to grow the sport. Um, but I think it's challenging. I mean, swimming is, is hard as you get older. It's, it's a lot of work. And it's hard to compare that to maybe a team sport like basketball or hockey, where you have a lot more interaction with your teammates as part of practice, whereas swimming, you're a lot of time you're you're by yourself, you're alone, uh, working hard, and your head's down in, in the water. So the diversity of the of certain sports is important. I think swimming has a better chance than hockey. Um, I think sure. basketball. There's no question basketball can be diverse and it is diverse. Swimming, it's a, it's less expensive to swim than it is to play hockey. So I do think that USA Swimming, assuming they have the right people um, on the boards and the right parental involvement and the right pressure, 
Um, there's no reason, they have really no excuse not to work harder in that space. You know, hockey is a freezing cold sport. The equipment is a fortune. The traveling is painful. It's just like a whole nother level of crazy. And hockey parents are very, very different than swim parents. Although my husband claims that he thinks that the swim parents are much more crazy than hockey parents. Of course, you know, <laughs> we would know because we have, we're on both sides. But I want to, I want to move into the current crisis because, um, this has caused a lot of pain and a lot of problems for a lot of people. You know, this is, I'm not saying anything no one knows, but what are you doing to keep customer slash families engaged and still connected to CWAC? Because we don't see you anymore. We're just, you know, what are you doing? Yeah, that's that's, that's been the hardest thing is not, is not being on the pool deck and not seeing our athletes and our families. So um, Zoom has been a, a blessing um, the technology that was that is out there to allow us to stay connected to our, our swimmers. So when this first happened, nobody really knew how long it was going to be or what was going to happen. So it, it took a little thought process and talking with our coaches about how we can still stay engaged with our with our athletes um, remotely. And we just kind of came up with the plan that we're doing now where we have our, uh, our, all our coaches still wanted to stay involved. So not one of our coaches quit or left and they are meeting with their group uh, at least three times a week. Um, whether it's just having a meeting or running dry lands, um, they should be running dry lands, but our biggest goal has been to, to keep the kids engaged because they're struggling. You know, they, they are, they've been trapped in their house. They, they want to get out. They miss the water. They miss seeing their friends. You know, there's a difference between seeing your friend on, online and, and seeing them in person. So. What advice would you share with other clubs on how to handle customer experience with, you know, parents? I feel like you have a lot of empathy and you're calm. And I mentioned this earlier. Do you have strategies for how to manage swim parents? I think the number one skill for anybody, any owner or business, it's in a customer world is like this, is communication. I think if you can effectively Put your message either in, on your website or in your what you're sending out to them, so that they have the information. I think is key. Now I, I understand that people don't always read their emails or don't always read the website, um, but it, if the information is is available to them, I think that goes a long way. And then being available to have those conversations or to, um, you know, my goal is if I get an email. I, I always reply within 24 hours. I think that's good cus- basic customer service. Um, and I'm always surprised when people say thanks for replying right away because um, I get the sense that you don't always get that in other in other avenues of things. Oh, God, so, no. I can, I can tell you <laughs> as a hockey mom, no, we do not get immediate responses. I, immediate's not even the right word. I mean, we're talking like days go by without getting a response. So that's actually a really great piece of advice. Um, Esther and I talk a lot about customer service. Um, you know, she's, uh, you know, Esther, you're really interested in culture, customer service. That's something that we always talk about with the entrepreneurs. 
um, when we have them on our show. Um, I think you're an amazing, you're, you're obviously an amazing business person. You would never have been able to grow this club to the extent that you grew it um, were it not for, you know, your tenacity and thoughtfulness um, and actually the ability to deal with like angry sports parents. I mean, we're, I don't think we're normal. <laughs> well, I think you have to be patient um, and, and you have to explain it. And sometimes you have to have, I think, uh, I think sometimes people hide behind emails and it's a lot easier instead of writing a, a two-page email back to somebody to pick up the phone and have a conversation with them or set up a time and have a conversation with right, them. Right, right. And I think that, that, that having that relationship, it shows that you care about them and that you're willing to deal with their issue. Because, I mean, that stuff comes up. I mean, there are challenges that we have to deal with. And um, writing a, a, a two-page email while you may get all your points out there is not the personal connection. Cause sometimes as you know, emails can be misconstrued or the tone doesn't come across the right way. So yeah. Esther's think, always uh, like, you know, she's always telling me that about my, about my emails. I have, I have epic yes. emails. What'd yeah. you say Esther? I just said, yeah. <laughs> One word. I think we just lost that with, with technology a little bit is that, that human piece. And I see people texting you know, these long text messages. I'm like, why don't you just call them? Like, <laughs> So what are the future plans for CWAC, Dave? Well, we want to, you know, we've, we've really evolved our, our senior, we've both our age group and our senior programs. We want to, we're at the top of the, the food chain right now in Illinois in terms of our 14 unders. So we've won the, the state meet the last, uh, you know, four times. Um, we'd like to continue to keep our, our, our athletes at that level. And then a lot of those athletes have been moving into the senior level. And uh, I think we were one of the top 50 senior programs in the, in the country last year. And we want to keep, you know, getting those athletes to that level. And, um, having them go on and swim the college if that's if that's their goal but we also want to be able to cater to the the, the athletes that you know aren't necessarily interested in, in getting a college scholarship but enjoy swimming um it just to be a part of that so we've always talked about you know as a staff trying to have those the different tracks so we might have a track for a 13 14 year old that's interested in, in going to the higher level but another one who, who just wants to swim three or four days a week and also plays water polo and, and does triathlons or something like that. So, you know, trying to get into that market where it's not, you don't have to buy in. If you're 14, you don't have to buy into that nine to 10 practices a week mentality. You can have a, a different, a different way to go. So um, that, that's one goal we have is just try to make sure we're able to cater to, to all of our athletes and families. What's one piece of technology you'd like to see come to fruition that you think could change the world? The use of, of uh, genetic technology, I think, could really, if it's used correctly, has so much power. But I always worry about it going the wrong direction. Um, you know, kind of I mean, Jurassic Park's probably a ridiculous example, but the idea of, of being able to start, you know, I know they're already mapping human human genes and stuff like that, but for for medical purposes, being able to to help families that need it, 
I think that there's so much uh, great power there. Thanks, Dave, for taking the time to talk to us. You can inquire about youth swimming with Dave Stevens at CWACSwimming.com and follow their fun Instagram channel at at CWAC underscore swimming. Thank you to our audience for listening to the Honest Field Guide podcast. I'm Esther. I'm Ginger. I'm Dave. The Honest Field Guide podcast is produced by Burke Creative, written and created by Ginger Birkenbuehl and Esther Coro. The podcast is recorded in the innovation and technology capital of the Midwest, Chicago, at Stomping Ground Studios in Ukrainian Village. Original music is written by and provided courtesy of Utah Carroll. Follow Honest Field Guide on Instagram and Twitter. The opinions expressed on the Honest Field Guide are opinions only and only represent the views of Ginger Burke and Buell and Esther Ikora. E.